0: Good morning, South Point. I am so thankful that you have the praise team that you have. Aren't you? I I appreciate them. Thank you so much. Bring us to the throne of God. Get our hearts prepared to hear his word. What a great, great praise team. Turn in your Bibles or phones, wherever you have an app to Acts the 6th chapter. We'll take a look at some verses in just a moment. Today's message is one that, well, it's going to start off a little rough. It may end up rough too, but hopefully we'll end up focused on what God wants us to do, okay? But uh, I've been in ministry now for, I think, coming up right at 38 years. And trust me when I say that I have seen a lot. I've seen a lot in churches. I've seen a lot in conferences and workshops and conventions. And church life can be difficult at times. Church life is a place sometimes where we experience problems. I was in—I uh, was serving as youth minister, one of my first positions in ministry at a church, and it seemed like the pastor was always in a lose-lose situation. It, was, it wasn't just once or twice, it just seems like it was all the time. And a lot of times what it had to do with is someone would go to the hospital and have a procedure, now they may go home that day, but they may stay a day or two or however long, and then they would go home. And then they would stew over the fact that the pastor never came to see them, to pray with them. But they never told him. You know? And, and, I, and I'm going to tell you firsthand, we do not have ESP. Okay? We cannot read your minds. We, we need to be told what's going on. And, and so it was just a lose-lose situation for him. And even when I became a senior pastor... I started noticing that in the congregation where I was serving. And I thought, this, this just can't be. So I talked to my deacons about this. And I said, listen, I respect if somebody wants to keep things private. That's not a problem. But I want the opportunity to pray with them if they will allow. And if they will not allow me to, but you find out about it, you pray with them. Let them know they are being remembered. They are being lifted up in prayer. We, we cannot live in this lose-lose situation. This is a problem that needed to be resolved. I've seen other problems. Here, here's one other one. You get a group in the church and they're going out and witnessing. People are responding to God's Word. The church is growing. The excitement is growing. And all of a sudden you have a group of people that you can't fit them in the congregation, in the worship center that you have, or sanctuary, whatever you want to call that building. And so there's there's this move to, listen, we need to provide some more space, either a larger worship center or or places where we can have Bible studies and meet and maybe have conferences and things like that. But then you have another group of people that say, you know, I'm okay with the church being this size. I, I'm okay. We don't need to spend any money. We don't need to build anything. And, and, and soon, one or the other kind of win out, if you would. And I don't mean that in an ugly way. It's, you know, I mean, you look at... Pioneer Drive Baptist or Elm Creek Baptist, both on Pioneer North and South Pioneer, and I I know both of the pastors; they're still alive. Back in the day, Brother Jack Riddle Hoover and T.C. Milton, good, good men of God. But they still have their original sanctuary, their small sanctuary over at Pioneer Drive. I think they call it now a chapel, and they do weddings there. Is that is that kind of correct? I think that's right. But their larger sanctuary, they had to build because the people were coming. They were, they were growing. They've got a big building over there for, uh, for youth and for conferences and things that they can, they can hold. And I mean, it's got an upstairs and downstairs. And, you know, they grew. Elmcrest grew. They've got different, multiple buildings back there. And they were a large congregation as well, but there are some churches that that's not the case. They'll remain small. The excitement, the growth that they were experiencing now begins to diminish. People begin to move away because they don't have space for me, is the feeling. And so there's a problem, and it becomes a lose lose situation in a church. And so, what do you do when you experience church problems? That's my question. What do you do? What do you do when you experience church problems? Now, I hope that you understand. I don't know a whole lot about this church, but I know that this happens in pretty much every church at some point or another. And so, I want us to walk through this together and and just see what God has for us in this. Can we do that? Acts the 6th chapter, beginning with verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against those of the Aramaic speaking community because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn the responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenes, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests Became obedient to the faith, man. There's good news here, but Luke provides some words for us that I think that gets us from a lose-lose situation to a win-win situation, and I hope that you can see this by the end of this message. But we first need to recognize there are problems that arise in churches. It just it happens. When we look at this, the complaint by the Grecian Jews actually became a blessing. The assembly or the congregation had increased so much, so rapidly, that the apostles were not able to handle the daily distribution of food and widows were being overlooked. This was a real complaint, a real honest complaint, a good complaint. I mean, back in that day, if you did not have a man of the house to provide the food, And you were a widow, you had no sons, no man in the house. You relied on outside help to be able to get your daily food. And now, widows are being overlooked. I don't think it was intentional. I just think it was one of those things that happened because the organization, the structure was not there to be able to handle this situation effectively. But it's encouraging for us to look and trace the growth of the church that got to this point right here. And all this is in Acts, and we begin in Acts the first chapter, and we find that the eleven went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and all joined together constantly in prayer. And then they added Matthias to the eleven. And then in chapter 2, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, and 3,000 believed. Then believers were added to their number daily. And then the fourth chapter, we read, Then Peter and John proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, and many who heard the message heard and believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. And then we get to chapter 6 in the very first verse says that this number increased and then in verse 7 that that number increased again rapidly folks there's a lot of people here who came who responded to the gospel to the good news of jesus christ in a short amount of time short amount of time sure there are problems that arose this is one that we see in scripture But what was the secret for this amazing growth? If you flip back, actually you may not have to turn the page, but Acts the 5th chapter verse 42, which also corresponds to Acts the 6th chapter verse 4. In 542, we find that the apostles never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. They never stopped. Praise God for that. Amen? And and they sacrificed their own desires in order to be able to get God's word out to other people. This was important to them. This This was first on their mind, had always been first on their mind as apostles. There's a pattern you see through here. A pattern that they lived daily Christian service, service in God's house, service from house to house, teaching and preaching the word, exalting Christ. This was their pattern every day, and others joined in. In the congregation, others joined in that pattern. They joined in prayer. They joined in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. It was important that they were faithful to God's word and faithful to what God had called them to do. But in the midst of this scene, there was a problem. On the surface, you would think everything was fine, but it wasn't. Organization was minimal. The apostles were doing everything they could with the contributions that the church members were bringing in to supply the food to take care of other needs. But they were missing some of the Grecian Jews. They were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. This is a real problem that they experienced. Their greater numbers called for a more developed structure so that that could be taken care of. Do you remember Moses? He's kind of one of the key figures in the Old Testament, right? You remember he led the Hebrew people out of Egypt? It's estimated that he led some 2.4 million people out of Egypt. That's an estimate. We see that he led 600,000 fighting men, but that does not count the women. It does not count the children. So about 2.4 million people were being led out of Egypt. You think he experienced some problems, some complaints? By the time they kind of settled down in one camp, we see Scripture say, that Moses took his seat to judge. And the people were all around. And so as complaints were brought to him, he prayed to the Lord, Lord, you know, how do we take care of this? And he would tell them what the Lord had conveyed. And they'd go off, and the next people would come up, and he would deal with them. This would go on from morning to morning, to evening according to the scripture. Jethro, his father-in-law, arrives on scene. He brought his wife and his two children to to meet with them. It was probably a really good reunion. Jethro even offered offerings to the Lord. He looked, he saw what was going on, and he noticed what Moses was doing and what the people were doing. And he looked at Moses one day, maybe one evening, And he said, hey, this is not good. You're going to wear yourself out. The people are going to tire of this, waiting and waiting and waiting until they can see you with the problem that they have. This is not good. Let me suggest something to you. Put some trusted men over the thousands and over the hundreds And over the tens. And let them take care of some of these complaints that come that they already know this is God's will. This is God's direction in how to deal with these issues. And you take those complaints that you need to go ahead and pray about and deal with them. And this sounded good. What just happened? He put some organization to the structure and able to to be able... To deal with the problems that arose in that congregation. When we look at this congregation, this was a real problem in the early church. And I can guarantee you it becomes real problems in today's churches as well. Some say the sanctuary is too hot, some say it's too cold. I'll probably talk about that again in another sermon. Some want to grow, some want to stay the way we are. We could go on and on with comparisons, but these really are issues. Problems that arise. And if we're not effective in dealing with problems when they arise, they become things that just poke at you. They become footholds for Satan to get in here and start messing things up even more. This little crack of a division, Satan just widens and widens and widens unless we deal with it in the way God would have us to deal with it. Do you hear what I'm saying? It needs to be dealt with. But the bottom line is, we do have problems that arise. But we need to make sure that we're doing as the apostles were doing, ministering with prayer and the word of God. That's got to come first if this gap is going to close back up, if we're going to come together as a congregation and begin to be effective again, we've got to do the things necessary in the organization or whatever to be able to handle the problems and to get Satan out of here and get God in here and do His will. But ministry Of prayer and the Word of God still is important. It's important to resolve those church problems. The food problem was solved by putting first things first. The apostles knew that their primary ministry was to give attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And if local churches today would allow their pastors to obey Acts 5.42 and 6.4, I think we would have a lot less issues going on in churches. If your elders were allowed to do what God has called them to do, and minister in prayer and the Word of God to others, and that was the first thing kept first, Every church would be better off. Prayer and the ministry of the word go together according to the book of John and Proverbs. Samuel, in the Old Testament, ministered this way. So did Jesus Christ, according to Mark 1. So did the apostles, according to Colossians 1. In Acts 1, through prayer and ministry of the Word, the apostles found God's will. Ephesians 6, 17, 18 states that prayer and the ministry of the Word will overcome the devil. 2 Corinthians 9, 9 through 15 indicates that the ministry of prayer and the word will provide the financial resources of the church's needs. I cannot tell you the number of churches that I've gone to that finances was a major problem. And how did they get to that point? probably because their pastor or their elders were not allowed to do the ministry that they've been called to do, to minister in prayer and minister the Word of God to the people. That they were tasked with other things. The lawn needed to be mowed, the lights needed to be changed, the bathrooms needed to be cleaned better. I can go on and on with that list that I've heard in the past. And it takes time away from prayer and ministering the Word of God to other people. And so, yes, things arise that should not arise in a church. Prayer and ministry of the Word, according to Acts 20, will build a church in every way. Unity and harmony come when the first thing, the most important thing, is kept first. Spiritual leaders and church members in Acts 6 broke out in unity and harmony. It fit together. The the ministry or the spiritual part and the physical part came together. It worked together. We all have a responsibility of witnessing God's word to others, praying with others. But there are special people that God has called in churches. That's the number one thing that they need to be concerned with. Praying and ministering God's word. And so many others can step up to the plate and serve the table. We are all called to do our part so that God's Word can be number one in what we do in life and in ministry. Henry Martin had already done more than his fair share as a missionary in India. He said, I'm going to go to Persia. The doctors said, the heat in India is enough to kill you. The heat in Persia is even worse. You will die. But God led him to Persia. And he studied the Persian language and in an amazing nine months, he translated the New Testament and the book of Psalms. And he wanted to distribute this, but he was told you cannot distribute this without permission. So he traveled 600 miles only to be turned down to see the Shah where he would get permission. Realizing what had transpired... He traveled another 400 miles in a different direction to get to a British ambassador who gave him credentials, but said, this is all I can do. You've got to do the rest. You've got to present these credentials. And so on the back of that mule, again, he's traveling back to the shawl. He travels by night. During the day, he tries to find a piece of shade covered only with a piece of canvas to protect him from the sun and the heat. He gets an audience with the Shah, and the Shah gives him permission to circulate this translation. Ten days later, he died in 1812 in Turkey. But in his diary, he had written this, I sat and thought the sweet comfort and peace of my God. In solitude, my companion, my friend, and my comforter. God blessed this early church as they faced the problem honestly and resolved it. God blessed Henry Martin who had faced so many problems in his life, but he realized the need to translate God's Word for a people who could not read God's Word, and God allowed him to resolve that problem. Folks, you've got to believe that we too can resolve problems when problems arise in churches today. If we will make sure that we keep first prayer and the ministry of God's Word, we're on track to resolving the problem. So why do we resolve problems? Why? This early church knew the urgency of getting on with the kingdom business here on earth, and they quickly became dead to sin and self and alive to Jesus Christ. Focusing on spreading the good news of Jesus Christ and the Messiah, the Savior. Would you go to the airport for a glimpse, I need to word this right, of your favorite president? Uh, sorry. Sorry. I, I did see that happen once here. Uh, I think it was Jimmy Carter that came to the airport. I'm not positive about that, but I think it was Jimmy Carter, and there were people who were just real excited, you know, and wanted to go to the airport and see. Him. I was not all that excited, but people were excited. Let me give you another one. Billy Graham. Would you be excited to be able to see Billy Graham? I went to a convention every year. Uh, for many years, earlier in my ministry. I believe the convention that I was at was in Atlanta, big convention center there. And I don't know, somehow or another, I found myself sitting kinda in the middle over here, and I'm not the type that wants to get behind a whole lot of people when we're leaving to be able to get in my car, go get some food, get to the hotel, and stretch out my back on the bed. I'm, I don't wanna wait in traffic, you hear what I'm saying? So uh, after lunch, I made my way over to this side of the convention hall. I'm gonna sit over here someplace because parking is over here where my, where my truck is and I wanted to be kind of closer to that, lessen the line and traffic and everything. We knew Billy Graham was coming that afternoon and, and you know, just at that moment I wasn't really thinking of that. But right as I got, oh maybe about as close as here to you, to an outside door, those doors popped open. In walked about three or four people, two people holding the doors, the other two people, I think, looking down the hall. I think it was his security team. And in walks Billy Graham. I gotta tell you, that was a goosebump moment. It was like the Holy Spirit saying, "There is a man of God." And I was just like, I mean, head to toe goosebumps. You ever been that way? I've had opportunities at conventions, conferences, to meet some people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention some, you're going to go, who are they? I'm going to mention some, but I mean, back in the day, these were kind of cool people. I, I was doing security for one, and, and down the hall came this little girl, and I'm thinking, She's probably lost, you know. It was the subfloor to the main floor. Uh, We had some rooms back over here, and there were some bathrooms. But here she comes, and there's nothing going on behind me. And uh, I said, can I help you? And she said, "Uh, I'm Rebecca St. James. And uh, she just wanted to find a bathroom, so I told her where it was. She came out, and so we're walking back together. I'm kind of escorting her to the backstage so she can get on and perform. And here come two girls. Now, these were girls, these were youth. And she kind of motioned to me, and I, I held back. And she sat down on the floor with those two girls and witnessed to them right there. Didn't matter that she was supposed to be on stage by the time she finished, it didn't matter. That was the most important thing to her. That was another goosebump moment. During another one of those conferences, I sat down at a table, it was before the conference started. We had a lot to do, I was doing security again. I sat down at the table, there were four guys sitting there and we started talking. Had no idea who they were. The group called for him. I told you, you're not gonna remember some of these. I've been close to Mercy Me, to Casting Crowns, to some other groups but to be able to meet some of these people and see what was important to them that that was those were just precious moments during my ministry we had a conference in south carolina i was pastoring over there at the time and henry blackaby and his sons came and not only did he speak to the conference but i was uh, i actually had moved from being a pastor to a director of missions by that time and And he said, any directors of missions in the the crowd? And so we raised our hands. And he said, "Uh, I've set aside a special time just to talk to you. So we had kind of a small group like this little group over here. And Henry Blackaby and his sons came. And it was pretty much one-on-one. And to hear Henry Blackaby's heart was just precious. To hear his sons who had the same heart, the same love for Christ, and the same kind of love for the work that Directors of Missions did. And a little later, somebody said to me, you know, there's a conference coming up, Uh, Richard is going to need some uh, transportation from the airport to to the convention, and would I be willing to pick him up and get him to the convention? And I said, yeah, I said, here's his number. As I was thinking about this last night, I looked at my phone. I still got his number. I hadn't used it, but I still have Richard Blackaby's number in my phone. I guess I ought to delete it. But the, these are just goosebump moments to see these people, to witness what is important to them. I say that to say, when we look at this scripture passage, remember. That they got to hear about Jesus coming. They got to hear and see miracles that Jesus was doing. They got to feel the impact that Jesus had in their life. They got to hear the stories of the crucifixion and the burial. They got to hear about the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior and the ascension of Jesus Christ back into heaven. Folks, some of these people were there. Goose bump moments in their lives. These were important times in their lives because Jesus made an impact to them. Folks, problems arose in the church, but they were still excited about Jesus being their Savior and their Lord. Are we that excited? Do we still have a concern for the ministry that He's given to us? Are we excited about the urgency of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ? We need to be so excited that we, we die to self and are alive to Christ in everything that we're doing. Everything. We cannot give Satan a foothold. We do need to follow the Lord's direction. Nichelle Nichols played Yohura, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, on Star Trek. Okay. She had a lot of obstacles to overcome. Uh, after her first year, um, she, she was ready to quit. She was also a professional singer and dancer, and so she was thinking about, you know, just giving up the Star Trek stuff and going and dancing and singing. Well, she went to a NCAA CP meeting, and, and there she met Dr. Martin Luther King. Probably a goosebump moment for her, you know. And and Dr. King, in conversation with her, said, "You can't quit. You, you've got a ministry where you're at. You can't quit." And she said, and is quoted. When you have a man like Dr. Martin Luther King say you can't leave a show, it's daunting. It humbled my heart and I couldn't leave. God had charged me with something more important than my own career and the rest is history. She was able to advocate for more African Americans to be brought into the astronaut program. she was able to advocate so much for women and for minorities that there was over a thousand applicants in a four-month period to NASA. She made an impact. She followed the direction that God led her on. She witnessed God to other people as she went. This was important in her life. And so she continued with Star Trek, based on dr king's advice to her but what happened she died to self in order to be alive to christ we resolve church problems so that we can focus on the cause of christ that's the reason We resolve church problems so that we can focus on the cause of Christ. And folks, Satan has no place in that. It must be about what God wants for us. He's called each of us to so many different things. And isn't it great how God brings us together so that we too can break out in unity and harmony no way should we be in the background cutting someone else down because they didn't do so-and-so, or they didn't do so-and-so. You know what? I found out through my ministry years, they don't know a whole lot of what has gone on. They're just saying what little piece they're aware of. If they knew the whole thing, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. But we should never do that anyway. We should be in support of the leadership that God has created brought and and focused in this church as a ministry because their focus is in prayer and ministering God's Word and we need to join them in that. We should hold them up before the Lord that they can do what God has called them to do so that we can do what God has called us to do. Keeping the cause of Christ first. How are we doing? You see, only you can answer that question because I don't know you that well, but I do know churches. How are we doing? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that as we consider the scriptures that have been laid out today, That you will strengthen us as we abide in you. As we seek after what you would have us to do. Your cause in our life for your glory. Not only strengthen us, Lord, but give us a clear path, a clear direction. So that we can keep first things first so that you can always be glorified and your church grow so that the ministry of this local congregation can be effective and the people grow spiritually and when the people grow spiritually, the numbers come. Lord, be with this church, this congregation and strengthen and empower them in such a mighty way That everyone around will know Jesus Christ is leading this church. And he is most important in the ministry of this church. Lord, thank you for hearing the prayers of these your people. May you be glorified, honored and praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.